Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, our pastor candidate, Reverend Caressa Murray, brings us a sermon titled, Do You Perceive It? With scripture coming from Isaiah 43, 16 through 21, also read by Reverend Caressa Murray. After this service, we had a congregational meeting and Reverend Caressa Murray was elected and called as our next head pastor here at New Hope. Well, good morning again. My name is Pastor Caressa. That is what you can call me. I'm very casual in that manner. It's such a joy to be with you here today. And for those of you who came yesterday to the meet and greet, thank you so much for taking time out of your Saturday, especially when it coincided with the Colorado football game. But they won and they beat Texas uh, Texas Christian University last weekend, so they're on a good streak. That's good. That's good. Uh, but it's a joy to be with you. My husband, Jonathan was here yesterday. He had to fly back home last night to lead worship at our home church. They don't know we're here, so um, he had to do that a little cognito. Um, But my kids, Caleb and Madeline, are here with me today, and I just want to say thank you for the very warm and gracious uh, welcome that you have given us. Well, friends, our scripture reading today comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah, and I'll be reading from chapter 43 in just a minute, but let me go ahead and set the stage for us. Well, right in the middle of this Isaiah 43, we find that the Israelites have been in exile for almost 70 years. Imagine having to be stripped from your home and transported to this foreign city hundreds of miles away, and you're stuck there for 70 years. That's where we find the people of God at this point. And see, in the 6th century, the Babylonians came in and they conquered and they completely destroyed Judea, Jerusalem, and, of course, the temple of God. And then the Babylonians took captive the king, the king's family, the court, thousands of workers, even the religious leaders, and took them off to Babylon, which was the city, the capital city, and there they were exiled for almost 70 years. And others were left behind left behind to live in the ruins. They had lost everything. They had lost their land. They had lost their livelihood. Families were split apart. And it was into this almost wasteland, almost wilderness, that they found themselves. And I can imagine being in that situation, they were asking, even praying, God, God, where are you? God, why would you let this happen to us? Well, see, since their ancestors were slaves in Egypt, this was the worst thing that had ever happened to them. And as you can imagine, they experienced a long time of uncertainty, a long time of the unknown, wandering in the wilderness, not knowing what was next. Has anybody ever felt that way? Maybe you have been feeling that way In a long, unexpected waiting time, a pattern of holding, transition. And so it's at this point that Isaiah comes in and he knows the people are weary. He knows they've been through this long time of the unknown. And so he wants to bring a word of comfort to the people. And in fact, he says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. So let us listen 
So the words of encouragement that Isaiah is bringing to the people, words of consolation, and a word of new hope that these people are desperate to hear. Let us listen for God's word found to us in chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. This is what the Lord says, God who made a way through the Red Sea, a path through the mighty waters, the God who drew out the Egyptian chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. And God says to the people, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. It springs forth. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the owls too, because I, your God, provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my chosen people, the people that I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, there I was, adorned in a cap and gown, a bachelor's diploma in my hand, looking out over the horizon, not having a clue what was next. Four years of studying and exams, balancing softball games, I played softball by the way, balancing softball games and late nights in the biology lab, and all of that quickly morphed into a sea of the unknown. And then I picked up the phone, and I said those five little words that will make parents shudder. Mom and Dad, I'm moving back home. <laughs> they took it pretty well, actually. They took it pretty well. Well, for the next three years, this is not working. There we go. All right. For the next three years, I spent... This is just a picture of what I felt like, right? I should have waited to do that slide. It got to the joke too fast. But at least you laughed. That's good. We got a good rapport already. Yes. So for the next three years, I spent a whole season of just wandering and wondering, right? I moved back home. I was interviewing for various positions here. I had this degree, right? I was going to put it to use. It's a bachelor's of biology. How's that working out for me? I thought about being a doctor. I was just for sure I was going to be a doctor or go into corporate finance. I even worked in corporate world for several years. But the further I got into all of that, the more I felt lost. And as you can see, I think the best illustration that how I felt was like Moses and the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 years with the GPS that continually says, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. But, oh, Lord, please don't let it take 40 years. <laughs> and then early one Easter morning. It was an Easter morning, very, very early, and I was traveling from the Dallas Metroplex with all the craziness of the traffic. And I was traveling out to my parents' church, which was out in the country. My father's a minister, and so he was um, holding Easter morning worship service at his church. And of course, it started super, super early. That was not fun. Um, but I got up early, and I traveled, and there was just this long stretch of highway. And let me tell you, on a very early Sunday morning, there are not many people on the road. So it was just me, the sun starting to rise in this long stretch of highway. 
And I looked out, and on both sides of the highway were just dry, dusty, barren, flat, ugly Texas land. Thank God I'm coming to Colorado. <laughs> but I noticed that land on either side of the highway because that's how I felt. I felt just kind of dry and, and dusty and lost and parched almost, thirsting for something different, thirsting for something more. And so as I went and I drove down that long highway, I just kept thinking, God, come on, God, you got to help me. What's next? All right, we just can't keep wandering and, you know, doing this whole GPS recalculating thing. It's already been three years. I really, I need some kind of sign, God, right? And don't you wish God would just like plop down this big, bright neon light and say, this is it? Well, God kind of did that. It wasn't a neon light, but it was this glorious sunrise on Easter morning. And as I continued down that highway, I looked, and all of a sudden, there were two streams of water on either side of that highway, giving life to green pastures. And it was a completely different landscape all of a sudden. And then it was like an epiphany. It was like God's word coming to me, this message, this sign that I had been waiting for for so long. And it was simple. It was two words, teaching and the church. And in that moment, I realized God's calling on my life, teaching and the church, putting my two loves together, my two passions together. Now, I'll be honest, public speaking was never on my radar. Neither was going into ministry. You see, I'm a preacher's kid. So I was the first one here and the last one to leave. God bless my poor children. And I saw, I saw church. I saw the good, the bad, and everything in between. And I said, nope, no thank you. But you know, God's got a sense of humor. God's got a sense of humor because I was for sure I was going to be a doctor. I was for sure I was going to go into finance. I was for sure I was going to be a school teacher. But on that morning, God showed me that God was doing something different. God was doing something new and unexpected in my life. And God called me to be a pastor. Well, that wouldn't be the only time that I would experience a time of wandering and wondering. You see, about a year ago, I started feeling something stirring inside of me. I wasn't quite sure what was going on. I was a year into my doctoral studies. Everything was going really well at my current church. But God kept nudging. God kept nudging me to explore what was out there. So I listened. It took a little while, though. I'm a little hard-headed, so it took about a two-by-four for God to say, hello, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I don't know if any of you are like that, but I am. And so I listened. I said, okay, God, I'm listening. What do you want me to do? I feel this nudge. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. So I updated my resume. I uploaded it to the Presbyterian database, which is basically like a match.com for pastors and churches. <laughs> and I'd always been told that it wasn't that successful. So when I started looking for churches, I did more self-referrals. You know, I would go onto this database and go, oh, that looks pretty good. That looks pretty good. But then one morning, I got this email from a PNC in Castle Rock. 
And I thought to myself, where in the world, where in Colorado is Castle Rock? And just to be fair, you may be thinking the same thing. Where is College Station, Texas? Little bitty dot on the map, right? So conversations started. A long, well, not long, actually, I'm pretty short. Several months of listening, of praying, of in-depth conversation, and discernment. And I would discover why God was nudging me. I would discover that new thing that God was doing in my life. And it led me to you. Well, I can imagine that in your own life, you may have experienced a season of wandering and wondering. Maybe as individuals, maybe as a church. Maybe you felt like you were wandering in a wilderness of endless unknown decisions as you're trying to care for your aging parents. Or maybe if you're an empty nester, you are wondering what's next for your life. Many of you, several of you, may be swimming in a sea of college applications, SATs, ACTs, patiently or impatiently, waiting on those scores and test results. Or maybe you, like me, have felt God nudging you in some way, somehow, thinking that maybe there's something different I need to be doing. Well, friends, having lived through the pandemic, we all know what it feels like to wander in an unknown wilderness. And even after we got out of that, we wondered, what was next? When your beloved Pastor Russ said goodbye and retired after a long, rich tenure, you were kind of launched into this new territory and the anxiety that kind of bubbles up during that tension. And after a season of uncertainty, of discernment, friends, you are on the brink of seeing what new thing God is doing. The people of Israel wandered through the Babylonian exile wilderness for almost 70 years. 70 years. And as it, got, as it approached that 70 years, the prophet Isaiah said, now's the time. And so Isaiah brought these words of comfort from God to the people, saying, comfort, comfort, my people. Do not be afraid. I have called you by name, and you are mine. You are precious and honored in my sight, and I love you. Therefore, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. And these were words that the people longed to hear. It brought comfort. It brought consolation. It brought a little glimpse of hope that they were so desperate to grasp onto. And then Isaiah stirs up their collective memory, tries to lift their spirits and reassure them by saying, Hey, do you remember? Do you remember that, that crazy cartoon I showed you of the Israelites wandering through the wilderness for 40 years? God eventually brought them to the promised land. And do you remember how they were slaves in Egypt with Pharaoh? And how God brought them out of that? God parted the Red Sea and provided dry land for the people to, to go into freedom, to new hope? And the people were like, yes, yes, we remember, we remember, and we hold tight to that. But then Isaiah says something curious 
peculiar, a little odd. Right after that, he says, all right, forget all that. Forget the past. Don't dwell on the past. Well, I don't know about you, but that part really bothered me. I was like, Isaiah, you just told us to remember, and now you're telling us to forget. I'm a little confused here. It's okay. You can argue with the Bible sometimes. It's okay. It's okay. Well, what I've come to learn is that the English translations don't really convey what Isaiah meant in that phrasing. And so the prophet of the, the book of the Isaiah is written in the Hebrew language. And if you go to the original language and you look at that phrase, it doesn't mean to completely forget. It actually really means don't dwell on. Don't cling tightly to the past. You see, Isaiah was afraid that the people would get stuck looking backward. Because he knew that if people were constantly looking backward, there was no way they would be able to see what's before them. And so Isaiah wanted people, yes, remember the past, but don't keep looking backward, look forward. Look attentively with what God may be doing in your life. Keep watch. And Isaiah also didn't want the people to dwell on the nostalgia of the glory days. Isaiah didn't want people to cling tightly to the way God had acted in the past and expect God to do the very same thing again. So Isaiah was telling the people and uses a couple of examples just within our short six verses. And Isaiah, Isaiah says, you know, in the Exodus, there was this huge sea that separated the people from their slavery, from their freedom. And so what did God do? What did God do? Parted the Red Sea, that's right. I'm just making sure you're awake. It's all good. Oh, good, you are. Great. And so God parted the Red Sea and made a path of dry land to the freedom and the new hope. But that's not what needed to happen here. God would do something very different here to rescue the people. You see, there were miles and miles, hundreds of miles of dry, dirt, barren, Texas, crazy land between them and their way home. And so they didn't need to part the Red Sea. There was no sea to part. But what they needed is they needed God to create streams of water through the desert so the people would have nourishment, the people would have drink as God would lead them home. That was what God was doing. And so Isaiah is trying to tell the people that we remember and we celebrate what God has done in the past. But as we remember, we also look forward. We look forward to see what God has in store for us. Isaiah says, people, it is time to move from memory into new hope. For God is doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? Friends, the God who acted then is the God who is acting now. God is the one who makes a way in our wilderness. God is the one who brings hope out of despair, joy out of mourning, light out of dark. God is the one that is with each and every one of us through those wilderness times and those times that we feel lost or parched or wandering or wondering. God is the one who loves you. God is the one that will never forsake you.
Can I get an amen? amen. Y'all are good Presbyterians. I like that. Sometimes you really got to pull an amen out of people. I love this. And likewise, today, friends, here at New Hope, today we remember and we celebrate. We remember and celebrate how and where God has been at work here in this congregation. The history of vibrant ministries and missions, a long, rich tenure of Pastor Russ, your fabulous church staff and church leaders who have continued to help guide you through this transition period. Can we give them an amen? amen. Woo, yeah. And friends, the God who acted then. The God that has walked with you through it all is the same God that is with you here now. And the God who is calling me all the way from Texas to come and serve as your senior pastor is the same God that was with me in my call to ministry many, many years ago. And is the same God that has walked alongside me every step of the way. And so today, friends, we remember and we celebrate because we know that the God that has done mighty things in the past is the God that is active and at work here in this place again. And together we stand at the threshold to see what this new thing God is doing. Do you perceive it? Do you? So together we take a step forward. We take a step forward to embrace this new thing that God has for you that God has for me. But we don't only celebrate this new thing that God is doing for the health and the future of new hope. We also do it because God is calling us to reach out, to reach out to the people in the community. God is going to do that new thing in and through us and through us go out into the community. Because you know, friends, we have each, as individuals and as a community, we have lived through that wilderness time, haven't we? We have lived through that wandering and wondering. And now on the other side of it, we can give testimony to others about God's power, God's faithfulness, how God is there with you through all of the ups and downs. And I guarantee you, I don't know yet the community of Castle Rock, but I can guarantee you there are people out there who feel like they are wandering in a wilderness who need to know that God loves them, who need to know that there are people here in this sanctuary right now that are willing to embrace them with love and to share the good acts of God with them. Friends, I believe we are called to bring new hope into people's lives. Amen? Amen. I believe that we are called to bring streams of Christ's living water into the barren places of their lives. I believe that we are called to embrace them with love and invite them to our bigger table. I believe that we are called to be a beacon of light, shining hope into people's doubts and despair. And I believe that we are called to be the hands and the feet, the heart and the voice of Christ in this community, in this time, in this place. So today we are called to embrace this new thing that God is doing at New Hope. Do you perceive it? Yes. Are you ready to stand up and step over that threshold into the future that God has for you? Let's go. Yes. Let's go. All right. Well, then I invite you to stand and let us sing and ask God to be our vision as we march into the future. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. 
If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.